What's going on and welcome into the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek on this Wednesday. I'm Daniel Salerson, joined today uh, by Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com and the television voice of the New Orleans Pelicans, Joel Myers, as the NBA season has finally come to an end as the Los Angeles Lakers were crowned champions on Sunday night, defeating Miami Heat in four in six games, four games to two. And now, gentlemen, I'll start with Joel. We can finally put a bow on this 2019-20 season. How crazy is it that, you know, in mid-October, we're putting a bow on the season that started last year in mid-October? Hello, Joel. Well, Daniel, it's interesting the way things work because what we've all been through as a country and internationally as well, uh, the NBA pulled it off. We're kind of surprised that there were zero positive tests. But at the same time, it started, and Mark Stein put it in in yesterday's New York Times it was 380 days from the beginning of camp to the end of the season. It was 380 days. And uh, granted, we had the shutdown with the pandemic and everything, but it is pretty incredible to think back the way it all started, the way it ended, and then the adjustments along the way. And that's going to be, uh, that's going to continue. That's not going to stop as we all adjust and, and try to get healthy and, and try to figure things out along the way. But one thing that stands out, and Adam Silver said it, is need people in the building. It, it's just not the same without our friends there. It, we have such a vibe going now in the Smoothie King Center that we want to wait, even if it's past January. And I know they want to get it started in January, and everybody's pointed to a maybe an 18th of January, Martin Luther King Day. It would be perfect. Uh, but if we can get people in the building and more people in the building and then research and science and vaccines arrive and we'll cross our fingers on everything. Uh, so we've experienced a lot in 380 days, but knock on wood, fortunately everybody's healthy in the NBA right now. Absolutely. And Jim, you, you cover this team and travel with this team, just like Joel and I, uh, but covering it from a, a standpoint where you're normally talking to players every day, interacting with them every day. And for the last seven months, basically, uh, your interaction with them have been on on Zoom chats and covering a game remotely from the Smoothie King Center. How different has it been for you, um, especially with all the relationships you build from seeing these players in person, watching practices, being able to talk to coaches and executives? How how has this changed kind of your perspective on things, knowing that this is kind of the way it's been for the last seven months? You know, it's funny. I think if you go back throughout really the whole shutdown and then when the season restarted, I always emphasized – that I wanted to see things in a positive light and I wanted to be kind of a glass half full kind of guy. And I, and I think initially I, I thought that the effect of being not being there in person would, wouldn't be as drastic as people said. And it, it really, it really does affect you a lot as far as just being so um, detached from everything. I think that was one thing that I noticed is just, you do feel like you're kind of on the outside and you don't have the day-to-day -day interactions with everyone. I mean, I felt like our the Pelicans PR department to give them a, a, some kudos. They did a great job of, of getting us involved in everything they possibly could, but it's just not the same as far as just being there. And you definitely lose a, a little bit of a feel for what's going on day to day. We have the definite privilege of being there also for practices and shoot arounds. So I think it, it definitely gives you a perspective that you can't get if you're just sitting in your living room watching the games or sitting in the Smoothie King Center and they're playing in Orlando in a completely different state and different time zone. But um, I think, you know, I think everyone just did the best they could with it. I mean, we might be, we might get into this later in this podcast, but um, 
it's probably, there's probably going to be some more adjustments that we're going to have to do next season as well. Um, but it's just about making the best you can of it, but there's absolutely no doubt. I'm sure you guys would agree with me that we can't wait to get back to a situation where we can talk to the players every day or almost every day. They might, they might get sick of us, but we, uh, we love being able to, um, interact with them and just have a, just a much better feel for what's going on on a regular basis. Yeah. I think they've had enough of a break from us. So I think they should be okay when the next time we are able to interact with them in person. I know uh, Joel has done a great job on these podcasts the last few weeks, uh, recapping conference finals, talking about the NBA finals. So I just want to talk about that real quickly. Cause I know it's probably tough for us Pelicans fans seeing the Lakers getting crowned the champion, their 17th world championship after beating Miami heat um, game six, wasn't, ideal as far as just being a basketball fan watching that um but you have to love the fight in the miami heat um with all the injuries they had missing bam and gordon drogic for a couple of games um making it somewhat of a series when a lot of people wrote them off um immediately before the series even started joel i'll start with you again just kind of how would you summarize um these nba finals and even the playoffs if you want to do that well the miami heat were a great story uh, an incredible story. And the first time we've had a, a five seed or lower go to the finals in better than 20 years now since the New York Knicks in 1999. So that was a good story. But at the same time, at the end, as we could tell, they were running on fumes. They were shorthanded. They were inexperienced. And, and the Lakers had the experience on their side. The Lakers just needed one more guy. When you have two top fives and they have two top five talents, then you need one more. And Contavious Caldwell Pope filled that void. And Rondo had moments in the finals as well as we all saw. So uh, good for what we saw. And, and Miami challenged. Uh, there would have been a better test potentially with another team than Miami that was a little bit deeper or more experienced. But give Jimmy Butler and Miami credit for just getting there. Because the top four or five teams in the East now match up with the top four or five teams in the West. It, the West is clearly a much deeper conference still to this day. There's no comparison. Uh, but with that said, now teams are going to have to adjust because of what AD and LeBron did this year. Is there going to be an extra big? Is Dwight Howard going to be on the floor? Is he going to be back? JaVale McGee. So Golden State's in their division. Now, Aiton's already in Phoenix, so they've got a big in, and they can possibly match up in Phoenix if they add other components, but they're incredibly young as well. So now you look at roster construction and what the Lakers did. Are you going to get an extra big for that? Are you going to make them play small? Because we know AD didn't want to play the five, but they were a much better team in the postseason when AD was the five. When he was on the floor as the five, there was no comparison. In the, and the analytics guys can tell you that in the numbers. So it's going to be interesting to see how teams put together their rosters. The division for the Pels, guys, don't forget, it is extreme. With Dallas, San Antonio's younger now. They had eight guys that were 24 or under. Dallas with Luca and Porzingis. And adding a third player, which we know Mark Cuban and that team will do. Memphis, they've got a great young core. And then the Pels. This is an exciting time for us, guys. An incredibly exciting time. A new beginning. I know we're going to get into the coaching aspect of it in a little bit. But this is the landscape. Now, the architect, David Griffin, can it's it's completely bare the landscape and it's his campus and now the picture can be completed and put together from the beginning i think it's really a good time for the pels because of what they're sitting on already and what's available down the road with the picks 
and the options they have. Yeah, absolutely. And we might as well get to Jim on this topic. If you want to comment on the NBA finals, you certainly can, Jim. But while let's transition also as well to the Western Conference outlook, as Joel mentioned, not only just the Southwest division is, is so tough, but the Western Conference in general, when you add the Golden State Warriors, who will most likely be back to form when they get healthy with Steph Curry, Clayton Thompson, Draymond Green, and a top five pick, plus the Minnesota Timberwolves get the number one pick alongside D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. You talk about Phoenix Suns and their momentum after going 8-0 in the bubble, missing the playoffs. Um, Denver is a team that continues to rise and rise in the Western Conference. It just seems like, you know, as you know, as so much hope there is for the Pelicans and so much optimistic, it, it's crazy, as Joel mentioned, how deep the Western Conference is going to be yet again this next season. Yeah, I mean, where are the weak spots in the conference? I think that's one of the things that we have to ask ourselves because it seems like every year, the last couple of years, there might be one or two teams that you think are going to be week and was what was interesting about this past season was that I think a couple of the teams that people predicted to finish at the bottom of the west if you go all the way back to last summer were um, OKC and Phoenix people thought maybe they'd be in the bottom three or four OKC ends up with I think they were a four seed and they went down to the last shot of game seven in the first round could have made it to the second round Um, Phoenix obviously had an incredible performance during the bubble so um, it, it seems like even the years that we people want to discount a couple of the teams that we think are going to be at the bottom of the West. They end up outperforming expectations. And I think that this year's draft could set up some of the teams in the West to, to be in better shape. I think Minnesota with the trade that they made at the deadline last year, got a lot more talented and they were a lot more exciting team to watch. And just, I think even though maybe they didn't win a ton of games, you know, they're projected to, I think they could make a, a big improvement. So there's no doubt that, it's going to be another year where just making the top eight in the West is a huge challenge. I mean, and there, there's no doubt about that. One quick thing I will say about the finals, just to go back to that this year, one thing that Joel mentioned that I thought was a really good point is, you know, there might've been a team from the East if, if it was healthier could have given the Lakers a better series than Miami. Unfortunately, Miami had a couple key injuries. I think one of the things that I was disappointed in about the playoffs or maybe the, the last couple of rounds of the playoffs this year was I think, we didn't get to see some of the teams that we thought could give the Lakers the biggest challenge as far as the Clippers were up 3-1 in a series, blew the lead. The Bucs got knocked out in the East. So um, I, I was just disappointed by I, – I give Miami a ton of respect for what they did, and I'm impressed as heck by the fact that they made the finals. It, you know, they're another team that going into the season wasn't projected to be one of the best teams in the East, and they got all the way to the championship round. But I was just disappointed that we didn't get, you know – maybe the some of the matchups that we thought we were going to get. Um, and it, it just ended up being a little bit anticlimactic at the end, unfortunately. Well, I'm starting to get a little worried that we're agreeing with what Joel says. So we might have to end this podcast pretty soon, but I guess we'll go on for just Thank a little you very bit. little, so, Daniel. You're very Thank welcome. You. You're very welcome. Let's get kind of get into the coaching carousel a little bit. We talked about it. And of course, the Pelicans are one of those teams still looking for a head coach. And we won't really get into that because we really don't know much at this point, but We've seen a couple of positions get filled with Billy Donovan heading to Chicago from OKC, Doc Rivers out of, from Los Angeles, the Clippers now going to Philly. But there are still a handful of positions that are open. We mentioned the Clippers, the Houston Rockets are looking for a new coach, the Pelicans, the Thunder, and the Indiana Pacers. So there are five. It's crazy that we're you know probably a month away from the NBA draft role, and uh, there's still five teams that are still looking for a head coach. It, it seems like might be a domino that is waiting to fall as far as how the other four coaching uh, positions will be handled, but it's crazy how we're still here 
um, a month away from the draft and there's so many positions that still need to be filled. Right. And then you look at the candidates and the fit and then style of play with the roster that currently exists with each team. So when you look at the Pels, we know they can get up and down the floor and run. Can they get stops? And then is that going to be a priority of the new staff coming in? And then who do you bring in that fits with your roster? And that's the challenge for David Griffin, Trajan Langdon, and the basketball ops guys. There's some really good candidates out there. That's the encouraging aspect of it. There's some young candidates. There's some veterans that have experience at the NBA level. So the, that, that's why I said, Daniel, and I meant it, it's an exciting time. Because now David and, and that new staff can put their stamp on this franchise moving forward. And what's the style going to be? Is it going to be all about pace? Or is there going to be a, a, a different style where now there's a premium on other things? And then I, I bought, and I've been looking at videos of some of the younger guys now that we could get in the draft, the Pels could take with the 13th slot and some of the wings and some of the shooters, and maybe a guard, a lead. We know Frank's a good two. Uh, Nikhil could be a great one down the road. Alexander Walker. But uh, so I, this is a good time for the Pels. This is a very good time. And, and I didn't bring up Denver. You see, that's the challenge. There are so many good young teams. Denver hasn't even scratched the surface yet. And I truly believe, like Jim brought up, I think the Clippers would have been a better matchup than, than Denver for the Lakers. I don't think any comparison. But they didn't get it done. They failed once again at up 3-1. So give Denver credit for coming back against Utah and coming back against the Clippers. But I'm looking forward to this. The next four weeks are going to be great for all of us. Uh, Griff's got a difficult decision to make and a big decision to make because it's going to, it, it's going to give us an idea of where we're headed as a franchise, and especially when it comes to style and what the franchise is going to look like moving forward. Yeah, you know, Joel, I think one of the things that is really interesting about this coaching search, and not just for the Pelicans, but just across the league, is just the number of candidates. It just seems like there's probably more guys that have a, a nice resume including other, as well as some other guys that maybe haven't been a head coach yet, but people around the league are excited about. So I think right. the fact that there's such a, a large number of guys is exciting just from all the different options you have and all of the different directions that you potentially could go with this decision. Um, you mentioned too, the, the possibility of, of changing either the style of play or the emphasis on, on what, how you, the team is coached. Um, I think really regardless of the pace that they play, whether they still are one of the top two or three fastest teams in the league or whether they, you know, ramp that down a little bit and they're maybe closer to the middle of the league tempo wise, I think defense has to be an emphasis. And I think defense is really what puts you down the road, puts you in the category of a team that can contend for a championship, but also on the way to getting there, it makes you a lot more consistent. And I think that's one of the things that, that needs to take place is that they have to be, become a more consistent team where from night to night, you know, you can rely on that defense. You know that there's going to be nights where you don't shoot well, especially the direction the league is going. Pretty much everyone is taking more threes now. So that's going to fluctuate from night to night. But if you can rely on the defense, I think you have a lot better chance to, you know, not lose games against some of the teams that are really struggling in the league, like happened a couple times and has happened over the last few years. So, that's one of the most thing, interesting things I'm looking forward to is just to see 
what kind, and it's not just on the coaches, of course, it's also on the players as far as making this a better defensive team and putting them in position to, I think, short-term be a team that makes the playoffs. And then uh, of course, as Griff has mentioned many times, the ultimate goal is to be a, a team that can contend for the championship. Yeah, and Daniel, let me just tag what Jim said because you sure. want balance at both ends of the floor. And that's been lacking. The offense has been really good for the Pels, top-heavy good, but well, the defense has been bottom third the last few seasons. So you look at that and then also consider, guys, this is a really attractive job. You've got an unbelievable young core with Brandon, the most improved player in the NBA, Zion, we can go with Lonzo, uh, Frank Jackson, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Jackson Hayes, who am I leaving out? The young core that's here and got reps this year, that's why I'm excited. The new staff that comes in has to be, they have to be ecstatic with what's sitting here already and then the potential for down the road. And if everything cap-wise stays the same, then the Pels are going to have the, the mid-level, the biannual, there's options for this team moving forward to add talent. So this is a good time. And, and I truly believe, you know, Houston's got those two guys and they're roadrunners, not hardened as much. All the pace was up this year because of Russell for Houston. Uh, but if you want to build for down the road, if, you, if you're a really good coach, you're looking at the Pels roster like, I want to work with that group. I can get that group up to speed in a short period of time, and they can be a challenge in the next two to three years, a challenge for the Western Conference Finals. I'm glad he brought up the salary cap, Joel, because it's again to my last topic here, and I'll go to Jim because he's already starting his draft preparations, and we will have more on the draft in the next month here on the Pelicans podcast, but it's interesting how big the salary cap is going to be, Jim, and also the fact that this NBA draft is going to be a lot different than others as far as a combine, virtual combine, excuse me, not a lot of meetings, um, face-to-face, but a lot of Zoom interactions. I think you are allowed to bring perspe- prospects into your city. But how how interesting will this draft and free agency be, knowing the situation with the salary cap? Uh, really not a lot of info on this draft class. Um, how much does that change things as far as preparation is concerned? And for us, just trying to get to know how this is going to work out here in the middle of November. Yeah, I mean, first off, I don't think I have a good feel for what is going to happen with the salary cap, but I think – regardless of, of what direction that goes, as David Griffin has mentioned several times, the Pelicans are in really good position cap wise because of, they don't have a, a bunch of guys on, you know, long-term huge contracts. They have a lot more flexibility than I think the vast majority of the other teams that NBA has. Um, as far as the draft goes, I mean, I think the way that the, the draft is going to take place this year, which obviously is unlike anything we've ever seen before it's going to put a premium on the film that all these players have already put out as far as what they did during their college career or international overseas. And then the interviews that, I mean, you can't do interviews in person or you can, but to a a very minimal extent, obviously given the situation. Um, But the um, online zoom interviews, I think do give you a pretty decent feel for what kind of personality and maturity that a lot of the guys have. And I think, you know, that's been an emphasis that, Uh, David Griffin has had for the last year plus is that he wants to get good people in here and he wants to get guys with maturity. And I I think really real quickly from my experience of attending the virtual draft combine and, and getting to interview and listening to the interviews of the guys that have come out, I've been impressed with some of the players that are available in the draft as far as the kind of people they are and their maturity. So 
I think that definitely bodes well for this draft class. Um, one of the things that I think the average fan probably is the most interested in with this year's group is just the unfamiliarity. Just, I just feel like people just don't have a good feel for the, the, this class in general, but I mean, with the Pelicans also have three second round picks, which I think is interesting as far as what kind of flexibility they have. And maybe they can add two or three guys in among those second round picks as well that we can be excited about. So there, there's a lot of things to, to be um, interested in and that we're going to look at over the next month leading up to the draft on November 18th. Yeah. And Daniel, I'm, I'm glad that Jim brought up the, the early second round picks the Pels have. Uh, one of their own and one via trade. And I, I mentioned that because everybody that I've talked to, and, and this has been on my Sirius XM shows as well, that this is not a top heavy draft, but it's got the potential to be a very deep draft where across the board, there's some talent there. And it boils down to once again, player evaluation. Look at Miami did with player evaluation. And Daniel, I brought up to you in the last couple of podcasts, the 13th overall pick has been unbelievable. And I hope I'm not jinxing it. Not lucky for 13. Because Pro was 13 this year. Look at Donovan Mitchell at 13. Devin Booker at 13. There have been some incredible shooters at 13 available. And I'm keeping up with the draft more than ever right now. And there's some nice wings out there. Some nice shooters that are projected to be right there in the early teens for the Pals. So, uh, it's player evaluation. And then, as I said before, uh, you look at the, and everybody has talked about the cap staying basically very similar to where it's at right now. And even the luxury tax. And then they adjust when they know more for the 21, 22 season. So, uh, but Pels have picks. Uh, they've got an unbelievable core already. And now a new coach is coming in a new staff, new energy and a different perspective. So these, these are really good days. I like Absolutely. what, sorry, sorry, Daniel. I like what Joel said about the, the depth of this draft. I started writing down some different charts because I'm trying to get a feel for the range of certain players. And I see guys that in one mock draft are projected to go say 24, 25 and another are 50 at 50. So that makes you think that maybe you can get somebody at 39 and 42, which is where the Pelicans pick in the early part of the second round, maybe you can get a, a guy or two in those spots that um, you have ranked or evaluated as maybe like the 25th best pick in the draft. But you know, your, your evaluations are different from other teams. There's also going to be some teams in the end of the first round that take guys that take players that are going to play for sure overseas and stash them. So that kind of pushes the, some of the guys that may have been picked in the first round talent wise back into the second round. So Maybe, maybe you have the ability to, to get some guys just based on what Joel said as far as the makeup of this draft and how there are – there doesn't seem to be a, a ton of agreement as far as maybe pick 25 through 50 or 55. Should be a lot of fun in these ne next month or so. And as Jim mentioned, Joel's pointed out, we're going to have plenty more leading up to the NBA draft on November 18th. Of course, we'll have a show on our flagship station ESPN New Orleans on November 18th, but Jim and I are going to do our best to help you kind of get ready for the NBA draft the next month as we're going to dive into picks one through 12, see what these each team is thinking going into the draft. We won't necessarily do a mock draft, but more of their needs heading into now the offseason, and we'll get some national draft experts as well.
to kind of help you out as we are almost a month away from the NBA draft, which means after that starts free agency, which hopefully after that means a schedule at some point. And then by that time, we'll have some NBA basketball for you, hopefully in 2021, early 2021. Well, guys, this was a, a great podcast. I'm glad we can finally put a bow on the 2019-20 season as we now look ahead to 20 and 21. We'll also have some more podcasts leading up to the announcement of a new Pelicans head coach. So exciting times to come, as you both have mentioned, and I appreciate the time today. Hey, thank you, Daniel. Jim, thanks. And by the way, guys, by next week, we'll do another, and we'll be talking about our new head coach potentially. Absolutely. Yeah, hopefully that's the case. And just like all of you, CK, can't wait to get back in the stands with you to cheer on the Pelicans and sing along to our favorite songs again. They're using this time to make discovering, buying, and selling tickets to events in the Big Easy well easier. Plus, every ticket purchased on SeatGeek is protected by their buyer guarantee, which means you'll get your money back or better if your event is canceled guaranteed. Download the SeatGeek app today, and when the time is right, let's go. Well, it's time to go here on this Pelicans podcast done by SeatGeek. As you mentioned, we'll have one hopefully next week or in the next couple of weeks when the Pelicans head coach is announced and be on the lookout for draft previews as well. For Jim and Joel, I'm Daniel. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek.